0: It's time. It's time. Time time to get in the zone. Time to
1: get in the zone
0: with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the Odyssey Network. We have Al Sacco, Brian Rennick. I am Zane Nappy, and it is a victory podcast. You know when you hear this voice, you know it's a victory podcast, and those are always the most fun. We always love when the team wins. More, I mean, I feel like there's more to talk about when they lose. To be honest, but I mean, the wins are great too, right? Because there's plenty to talk about after this one—a sloppy, in some ways, ugly, not picture-perfect win from the 49ers against the Chargers. And there's there's kind of a lot to unpack here because it was the first game after the bye week, as we know. And it's basically now it's a sprint till the end of the season. They were they were 500, so basically now it's a, it's a completely new season. They got, they needed this one with Seattle losing earlier in the day and they got it. So guys, let's open it up. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think that the, the Niners are going to be able to ride this style of play for the rest of the season. I think they're going to get 10, 11 wins out of this kind of style of play. Do I think they're going to win a championship with this kind of style of play? Absolutely not. So and this game kind of started out differently than I thought it would, because the Chargers had not been playing well on offense. And we talked about it last show with Justin Herbert. How it's not his fault. Again, he's, he he was injured, and he looked healthier to me this game. He doesn't have his two starting tackles. He's down to like his fifth string receiver or whatever it is. He doesn't have anything around him. But his yards per attempt coming into this game in the last few were four one eight five seven five five seven, and then in this game it was just five six. But he started out hot. He hits the long pass, and the Chargers were doing some things on that first drive, and the Niners were shooting themselves in the foot block punt I with the fumble even though I don't really think it was his fault you know that helmet hit the ball what are you going to do type thing but didn't start out that way and then in the second half the defense stepped up and it looked more like the chargers that I thought were going to come in but the offense was it was a slog again it was you know just conservative and I just don't make with the plate with um not going for for fourth downs or things like that like even like the play calling it was conservative it was blonde or it was bl- bland I should say it was boring. Um, you know, I, I have some thoughts and maybe why Kyle wants to play that way that I'll, I'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, they won the game. It wasn't the game I expected coming off a bye against a Chargers team that is decimated. But you get a win. And like I said, I, I think they're going to be ugly a lot this this the rest of this regular season. And I think they're still going to win 10-11 games. So once you get in the dance, it's all that matters.
2: You know, honestly, I you know, we all predicted what amounted to a blowout on our, on our last episode. And I'm just grateful they won because uh, Al said that if he picked them and they lost that he would never pick them again for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. the very least we at least get some, uh, some positive predictions from Al uh, for the, for the rest of the semes- semester um, semester <laughs> I've got, I've got teaching <laughs> on the brain the rest of the season. Um, but you know, honestly it was an ugly win, but I actually take a little bit of uh positivity out of that because this is actually the first time this season that this team has won when they, when they had a lot of those mistakes that they've, that they've been making all season, right? They've been making those mistakes since week one, when they lost to the bears, they've made mistakes where they shot themselves in the foot, lots of penalties, undisciplined play, things of that nature. Uh, Up until this point, they've lost the four games where they, where they had those, where they had those those type of games, right? Um, The four games that they won prior to this one, they blew out Seattle. They blew out the Rams twice and they blew out the Panthers. They haven't won a close game all season. In fact, they've lost all four games that were close. And so for them to pull it out, I felt like was a, was a step in the right direction. What do I think they should have blown this team out? Probably. I mean, this was a team that, like you said, I mean, they were starting now granted, DeAndre Carter, Sac State legend, stingers up. But that was that was the most uh, the the graphic on on Sunday Night Football. The the receivers that the Chargers came into this game. The most experienced receiver was DeAndre Carter with eighty three receptions in his NFL career. Not great, right? And then Gerald Everett goes out for them midway through. And this offense outside of Austin Eckler and and Justin Herbert really didn't have a whole lot. And they came out and they put it on the the 49ers defense and and went into halftime with a lead. Now the 49ers defense in the second half played like we thought that they would play the whole game and and played like if, if the 49ers defense can play like that, I, I don't care that, that, you know, that, that the chargers were missing these players. They took an NFL offense and for an entire half held them to under 60 total yards. Like I don't, again, I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. And so they won an ugly game. D'Amico came out again and made some excellent adjustments in the second half, which is another thing that I appreciated seeing. And I, like I said, I think it's a step in the right direction. And now it's on to a game against the Cardinals in Mexico city. They're going to go practice in, in Denver this week because it'll help them get used to the, to the, uh, elevation, but a game, I thought that, the, that they should win in a blowout. They still won and, and pulled it out even though it was ugly. And I think that is, that is, that is a win in and of itself.
0: I mean, the, the chargers only had 12 first downs in this game, right? And, and the majority of that happened in the first half and the way that one of the things that I tweeted out that I was kind of concerned about, like mildly concerned not knowing the obviously what would happen in the second half of the game. As you mentioned, they were fantastic in the second half. But one of the things I I tweeted out about the defense and being concerned about them was that they've started slowly the last several games. And this game was not – it was not an exception either. They gave up the easy third down catch to Eckler where nobody covered him. They gave up – so they had two third downs on the first drive, and both of those nobody was covering the receiver – they were both open they were late to rotate and it was just a really silly touchdown that they gave up that was just way too easy so i think that you know this is one of those things that can bite them against a against a team at full strength or as you guys are saying like in the playoffs if they make it that far which i think they will but really the adjustments that they made in the second half that is what a contending team does and that was to me the most impressive thing that on both sides of the ball as well. Like it seemed like the offense got going a little bit more in the second half and they were able to, to kind of put this thing away. But the other thing that kind of concerned me was the fact that Christian McCaffrey, you know, he had, he had a pretty decent game. He had four catches. He had, he, I mean, he had under 40 yards rushing. He had the touchdown, but it seemed like they were a little bit disjointed when he was in Elijah Mitchell was fantastic by the way, when his first game back, almost a hundred yards rushing, he was, he was kind of the, the bell cow and he was able to kind of break off those chunk runs that we've been able to see before he got hurt. But all in all, like they both got 20 touches, right? They split the touches, but it was interesting to me to see Elijah Mitchell as the red zone back at the beginning of the game to start off and then having Christian McCaffrey on the sidelines. So Brian, you kind of talked about this to earlier today and we said we talked about it on the show and I kind of want to start there that this offense for all of the playmakers that it has, for all the stars and superstars that it has, they were stuck in neutral for a good portion of this game to start the game. They were sitting on three points until about, you know, two minutes left in the first half, and and to me, you have way too much talent on this offense to be scoring three points in a half against a defense as banged up as the Chargers was.
2: Yeah, Go yeah. I was just,
1: uh, late in the third quarter, it was uh, maybe a few minutes left in the third quarter, and the offense was still hadn't really gotten there yet. And Debo had three touches, and Kittle had one, and, and it was just like it 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 shouldn't be this. Complicated. It, it just really shouldn't. And I'm not sure what the thought process is. I'm not sure why they're not spreading the ball around. Maybe he did get a little McCaffrey happy for a while in that first half. You know, it's kind of a new toy type thing for Kyle in between the 20s, anyway, or whatever. But you know, I I I don't know. Um, it's frustrating because there is so much talent on on this. And Eric Davis, former four er even tweeted like it shouldn't be this hard. I saw that going through the couple times I was kind of scrolling through stuff during the game. It's it it is frustrating in that sense. And I want to get like I said, I'll mention stuff about Kyle. We'll go with, with this running back thing, but I thought that Mitchell looked phenomenal. I thought he ran hard, yeah. I thought he ran fast, I thought he looked Hell of a lot better than McCaffrey running the ball, to be honest with you. And I was glad that they kind of went to him in, in the second half there and really wrote him. me an 18 carries for 89 yards coming off. And we know if Eli Mitchell is healthy, he's a hell of a running back. And it didn't seem like the chargers really had many answers for him when, when he was in there. But yeah, to me, it seemed like Kyle sort of wanted to win this game 20, 22 to 16 or 19 to 16 or 13, 10 or whatever, whatever it was sort of the way he, he played. And, I think it was because of the quarterback in this game. I thought Jimmy made a couple really good throws. I thought he made some clutch throws on third down and the throw to Ray-Ray McLeod was phenomenal.
2: Oh, how many
1: times do you see the pocket breakdown and Jimmy kind of roll like that and chuck it down the side? You never see that. It's phenomenal. Um, and that was the eighth player in nine games with a 30-plus yard reception for the Niners. So that's that's a cool stat. But I just think you got your play. Look, other teams get their – how many catches does Justin Jefferson have this week? How many catches does spawn Diggs have this week? Does Devontae Adams catch? The, you know, I don't want to hear like, well, they're covered. Like, other great players get the ball. So you have Kittle. Maybe Kittle is on the back end of his career. I don't know. But you have Debo. You have I do, Iuka's a rising star. You have McCaffrey. You have Mitchell. It should not be this difficult.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's interesting. And and we've we've kind of tried to surmise you know, some of, some of why it has been difficult this season. And, and um, it sounds like Al, you have some ideas. I, for a long time, I thought, I, th- I thought it was Jimmy Garoppolo related. You know, I, I really genuinely feel like Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, which is fair to say simply because he's already tried to move off him. Right. We mm-hmm. know that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants moving forward. And, you know, I, I, people, people keep talking about Jimmy Garoppolo like he's QB one and like, he's the future of this franchise. And then, and then that conversation is all about like plays that's left plays that are left on the field, all of this. I understand that we've got to, we've got to stop framing the narrative. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback of the future for this team. He's not so,
1: but he's the quarterback of an all-in team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl this year.
2: But only because of right, and only because of injury. So the 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 narrative about like god, Jimmy keeps leaving things on it's like we know this is who he is. Like this is mm-hmm. who he is. Stop yeah. expecting something different. That's on you yeah. if you're expecting something different. What I notice is that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing some of the best football that he's played as a 49er. Let's 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 be honest here, right? Another he had another game where he did not throw an interception or have a turnover. Yeah. Or a
1: turnover where awesome. play Was there a or turnover? A turn- where and, he play?
2: Exactly. He even no, threw, no, he he did he threw a pass out of the back of the end zone. He threw he threw the ball away, which he never does. Yeah. Like you know. Which is growth, right? Hey, you've yeah. got some growth. <laughs> and you're not so, right. And it's <laughs> like, you know, he threw for almost 250 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. Had that quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Clutch on third down. He was not, eight of ten. On third down, one of those was a drop. So in reality, he was on target and 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 f- nine of ten throws on third down. Uh, Juwan Jennings, a first down machine, right, caught wow. everything that came wow. to him, which is a, a, again growth on his part. But it, it, like you said, it's like he wanted to win this game this way, and 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 I think I I, I genuinely believe. That Kyle Shanahan in his mind, he says, if Jimmy Garoppolo is my quarterback, the only way that we are going to beat teams with a better quarterback than us, with Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo is to slog it out, just slog it out, try and keep them off the field for as long as possible, run it as many times as we can and, and keep the ball out of their hands. That's our only, that's our only choice. That's our only option because I don't believe that he thinks that he can win a shootout, which maybe he can't. Maybe, maybe that is too much on, on Garoppolo's shoulders, but like how many times have we got to the point where it, it needs to be on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder and he's not ready to be there and they lose the game. Like let's open it up, man. Let's, you got no other choice. You got no other quarterback. Let him, let him do, let him, let him throw the ball, let him throw the ball. And, and I think part of the problem last night was that the chargers came in and they said, look, you're not going to run outside zone on us. You know, yeah. they had bare fronts. Mm-hmm. They had, there were times where they had seven guys on the line. Now, granted more often than not, they snapped the ball and then boom, those, some of those guys dropped back in, in coverage. So it was more of a, a, a disguised look. But still, they were telling the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, you are not going to run outside on us. And maybe that's why Elijah Mitchell had a better game than Christian McCaffrey because Mitchell's a bigger back that can run between the tackles a little bit better than McCaffrey. And that, I think, is where we're at. But this defense isn't great, and you only put up 22 on them. But you had the opportunity to put up way more, and your conservative nature – had you kick three field goals. Which you if you're four, playing the right? Chiefs, huh? You
0: said four before the game, right? Like last I, week. Yeah, I predicted four, four.
2: I predicted yeah. four. Yeah. But that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it against a Chiefs, against the Bills, against the Dolphins who come in mm-hmm. uh December fourth, right? You you gotta you gotta figure it out. You gotta do something different because you're going to get run out of your building on, on December 4th when your protege comes in and just lights up the scoreboard.
0: Yeah, I, I think that there's two things here. The thought about, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo being what who he is and what he is now by this point, like, I I totally agree with that. It's year six of him being here. He's not going to change. Like, everybody posts these, like, all 22 clips. Like, oh, he missed this guy. Like, look, we've been doing this for five years, man.
2: Like, we know. We know.
0: We know what he is, right? He is a mid-tier quarterback. He is not an elite quarterback. He does not have an elite arm. He misses open guys, and he makes crucial mistakes at crucial times. We know this about him. However, like you said, Brian, at some point, you have to open it up and score points. And the big risk that you take when you want to slog it out and and try to win games by a score, three points, seven points, four points, whatever it is, is that you limit the amount of opportunities that your offense gets because you have the ball so much. And when you shorten the game, that means the other team has it less too, right? Granted, it also means that when you have opportunities to put points on the board, you have to put points on the board because you, you're going to have a limited, limited amount of chances to be able to get down there and get points. And right now they're settling for field goals when they should be scoring touchdowns. But the IU drop, we know that that should have been a touchdown. That's fine, right? He, he had an up and down game, mostly up. He, he's, he's coming around, right? Like these things can be, these are correctable things. But the play calling near the goal line, basically running it up the gut with Christian McCaffrey or having him off the field completely as to not even draw any attention. Like Brian Baldinger had a, had a couple of great videos they put out on Twitter in terms of what Christian McCaffrey has been doing without the ball. And he laid out everything from Christian McCaffrey being a decoy in the backfield to Christian McCaffrey, lead blocking to him going out for swing passes and drawing two defenders. Like that is something that you should have on the field. And the question is, Brian, so I think somebody responded to me and you today when we had that talk about like, you know mm-hmm. who they should take off the field. Yeah, you take you check off the field. Jennings off the field. It doesn't matter at that point. You are you you need two yards, and your job is to get those two yards. And especially at the end of the game, they could have ended it right away without Herbert even getting the ball back, just by scoring a touchdown. That's it. And they weren't able mm-hmm. to put it in. And when you're facing a better team or a playoff team, or you're in the playoffs, and you need that score to put a team away, to go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. They just don't have that ability right now. And Al, like you mentioned earlier, that is, is Kyle scared by those two Super Bowl losses by having leads and blowing them? I don't know. Is that, is
1: that really what's going on here? Yeah, and that's, that's what I was going to bring up about Shanahan. I'm just, I'm just trying to find ways in my head why he's approaching things the way he's approaching them. If you think back to the Super Bowl, was it 2016 with the Falcons? He was super aggressive at the end of that game to a fault. It cost them the Super Bowl. In third and one or whatever it was second one you just run the ball man take the field goal and win, win the title mm-hmm. and it came back to bite him and I, you know he said that he was crying he told a story about how he i, I want to say he walked in the hotel room i don't know but he had seen his family and like just broke down it's crushing mm-hmm. the football is the guy's whole life i i understand it that's crushing i'm sure that's haunts him sure haunts him and then you go to the niners super bowl in 2019 he did take the ball out of his quarterback's hands in the playoffs. And then in the Super Bowl, in the fourth quarter, he opened it up for his quarterback and it came back to bite him because Jimmy did not play well in that fourth quarter. And I remember screaming at the television, like run a sweep with Debo. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Get the ball in Mostert's hands. What the hell are you doing? Get creative. And it came back to bite him. So now it just seems like he's so, again, I'm just speculating, but maybe that's just so much in his head. And he's seen so many things go wrong in, in the last seven years or so. Not only, you know, how many years have been, Done because of injuries, and and I just brought the two Super Bowl things, and maybe he just doesn't want to go through it again. And he just figures I have this terrific defense. I have enough. I can do enough offensively, being super conservative. I can get to twenty points, and my defense is probably going to hold the other team to below twenty. We've seen them do that in the playoffs, but again, when you get against some of these real big teams, it's not going to work. So at some point. You got to take the training wheels off. You have to, if you want to. There's too many. There's too little margin for error when you're playing that way. So we saw it in the playoffs last year. They and even the Super Bowl, they couldn't break 20 points in the Super Bowl. They couldn't break 17 in the NFC Championship game last year. You have to open it up at some point. At some point, and I, maybe he's not going to. Maybe he's shell shocked. I, I don't know. But I know when I thought Kyle Shannon came here, I knew he liked to run the ball. But I thought there was going to be a lot more creativity in a lot more games where the offense blew up, like we said, the offense never blows up ever. And again, it's great. They're going to make the playoffs probably still scoring 22 points a game. They will, but if they want to win a championship, which is what we're all here for, they have to open it up. They have to. I,
2: I would like to, I, I would like to pose a question to you guys. And, and, and we talked about it earlier in the year. Um, I have, it's still my pinned to tweet. I, I created a meme that I was pretty proud of. If we look at that Miami Dolphins offense versus the San Francisco 49ers offense, right? And we go player by player, right? The Dolphins' top two receivers are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. The 49ers top two receivers are Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. The Dolphins have Mike Gasicki, who they don't really feature all that much. He's not, I don't think Mike McDaniel wants him on his team because he doesn't block. He's a glorified you know, he's a glorified uh, move tight end. That's really yeah. all he is. They've got Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. 49ers have Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And the Dolphins have Tua and the and the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you feel like the Dolphins have more talent on the offensive side of the ball than the 49ers do? I think the receiver
1: position... Yeah, but I think Tyreek Hill is an absolute game wrecker. Destroy he destroys games, just his speed and what he does to a defense and waddle waddle too. So I, I definitely for as much as Deebo Debo can do with the ball in his hands, Debo is not really an elite wide receiver, I wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. So he's elite with the ball in his hands, but yeah. he's not an elite, you know, route runner separation, things like that. So I, I give a yeah, probably significant significantly to the Dolphins there. Tight end, I used to know a guy named George Kittle, so I, I would I would probably give it to the Niners <laughs> there. Um, in running backs, I mean, I don't want to say the Dolphins are using Niners casts off because they've been fantastic, but it's kind of what they're using, right? Um, and and they've both been fantastic. You know, I'm a huge Jeff Wilson fan, and I loved him running for a buck nineteen yesterday uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, in quarterback, I mean, listen, Tua's two, two got some great numbers, but if you watch those games, like. Tyreek Hill is wide open and two is under throwing the football, uh-huh. you know, so he's not, mm-hmm. but he certainly put up numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo never has been able to. So that's a but, great but, question, Brian. Um, and
2: here, and, and here's my point, right? The, the quarterback position, you could argue it's even, or maybe a slight edge to Tua, I give but in terms way. of arm talent, I don't know that there's a difference between the two of them and Mike McDaniel has no problem opening it up for his guy. No problem whatsoever. And I understand that Tyreek kill is offensive player of the year caliber season right now. And Jalen Waddle great as well. Speed. But Brandon, Iuke and Debo Samuel are no slouches, right? Brandon, Iuke, uh, just posted on, uh, ESPN. According to, uh, according to next gen stats, uh, Brandon, Iuke is currently the, uh, Seventh ranked wide receiver in the NFL. Uh Tyreek Hill is second to AJ Brown. Um and uh Waddle isn't on that list, which that's fine. Oh really? Yeah. It's uh Brown, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and then randomly, because they are calling them pass catchers, not just uh not mm-hmm. just wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh number 10 is David Njoku, the tight end from from Cleveland. So what I don't understand is there is creativity galore in South beach, Mm -hmm. like putting up insane numbers, looking like arguably either the best or the second best offense in the NFL behind the chiefs. And you've got the, the guy who, who is supposed to be the, the, the mastermind, right? Like, Mike McDaniel is Kyle Shanahan's protege, but he's putting out an offense in Miami that puts Kyle's to shame. Mm -hmm. And I, there's just a disconnect there for me. And I'm again, the question becomes was a lot of what we attributed to Kyle Shanahan did a lot of that is a lot of that should have, should it have been attributed possibly to Mike McDaniel? I know that we can't answer that question, but it's it's there it's hanging in the air at least it is for me and so this game on the 4th which i will be at i am i'm terrified i'm terrified yeah. of that dolphins game mm-hmm. i'm terrified that that team is going to come in and put up 40 on this defense like the chiefs did just because they've got that speed they've got you know they've they've i don't know but it just feels like again there's too much talent on the side, on the offensive side of the ball to be scoring 22 points. Yeah. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense yeah. to me. And I don't have yeah. an answer, but I, I like I said, I, I think the questions are there. Yeah. I think that,
1: you know,
0: with what we see from Kyle and comparing that to what we see in, in Miami with Mike McDaniel, it's almost like what he's doing down there in Miami is like the Kyle Shannon offense if Kyle would bother opening it up and with the addition of Tyree kill, like Tyree kill 100%. It, it's it's, he's one of the, the the best deep threats we've ever seen, right? Like he is that good. He is an absolute game changer in so many different ways. Like Al said, and it's not just when you throw him the ball, he also attracts that coverage, right? There is, there is nobody in the league right now that can cover Tyree kill one-on-one. It's just not going to happen. Right. He's just, he's too fast. Maybe if you want to keep him underneath, like, okay, yeah, like you can limit him, but you're not going to stop Tyree kill from catching the ball. And the reason why is because, Mike McDaniel will actually design specific plays for him. Not just like, okay, well he's a read on this play. It's going to be like, all right, Tyreek, if this play is going to Tyreek and you're going to get open because this is, this is what's going to happen. I, I don't know if Kyle does that because none of his players are ever targeted that way. Like the only really, the ironic thing is we saw that last week with, with or two weeks ago with Chris, Christian McCaffrey against the Rams before the buy. And, he was basically a focal point of the offense. Jimmy was checking down him, throwing the swing passes, and there was a couple of ad-lib plays near the end zone, like the touchdown catch near the end zone. That was like an off-schedule play, but he was a focal point. And you rarely see players become a focal point in Kyle's offense. And I think that the idea of embarrassment of riches is kind of contributing to that because you're not going to see one guy dominate the the stat sheet in terms of targets and, and touches. But when it comes down to it, you have to find mismatches, and you have to exploit those. And the fact that George Kittle is getting targeted twice or three times in a game and has one catch for for an elite tight end who's proven that he can like this is not like oh he's got potential to be really good. Like this is not like I don't want to say you know it's not a knocking against Trey, but it's not a Trey Lance situation where like you know we we think he has great potential, but he just has to show it on the field. Like this is like this is an All Pro player that you are not getting the ball to, that you fail to get the ball to, and any circumstance in the red zone in big moments, it's just like, he's like an afterthought and you can't continue to do that and expect to be successful. So Brian, like the the same fear that you have, like, look, this, this team got run out of their own building in 2020 with when, when Tyreek Hill was not on the dolphins, right? That was the the Brian Allen game, right? So the Brian (laughs) Allen game gross. So I'm, I'm definitely afraid this, this, game against the Dolphins is coming up in a couple of weeks it seems a lot scarier now than it did before because the Niners just seem, seem to be in an offensive funk and I don't know if there are any quick answers we thought that putting Christian McCaffrey in there would immediately be like you know throwing th- hitting the NOS button but it's that week to week inconsistency from both the execution and play calling standpoint that just it just drives you nuts and I, I don't know if there's a quick fix to it
1: yeah it's, it's just been weird it's been clunky and they won the game yeah again I'm not I'm not looking for like, hey, we squeaked by the Chargers this week. I'm looking for this team. I keep saying it. I want to see them take the next step because they're that good. If I didn't think they were that good, you're like, oh, they won the game. All right, let's see what we can do for the rest of the year. I'm the Cardinals. I think they're Super Bowl level talent in terms of their team. So when they're not yeah. doing that, it's frustrating to me. And we talk about the clunkiness of the off- offense. Kittle only has 41 targets this year. That's it. He's played seven games, 41 targets. Debo has 60 targets. In only thirty-four catches. That is not good. That yeah. is not taking advantage of, of a player who's dynamic with the ball in his hands. They they haven't been able to get the ball in his hands consistently. He barely touched the ball last night in a close game. It's not a game where you're up thirty to ten and you're like ah whatever we didn't need him. They needed him. They needed him late. So that that's the frustrating thing. Now two people that I, I was try to change this, I guess, some positives. Ayuk had a couple negative plays last night with the fumble, and then he ran a great route and he dropped the ball. But other than that, he played great. Other than those yeah. two reps, I thought he really, really played well. And now you're just seeing him again. He's in his fourth game in a row over 80 yards. He looks like a legitimate receiver. He looks like the best receiver on the team. He had a huge third down catch. He had a big catch towards the end of the game when Garoppolo was getting blitzed. And, and I think maybe I ran it down to the one or two or something like that um and Juwan Jennings who's taken a lot of heat this year because of his drops they don't win the game last night without Juwan Jennings no. those third down conversions huge huge and again Jennings isn't a guy that is going to have eight catches and 120 yards be at four for 40 last night and they, they're all big so those two guys to me I thought really really stepped up and Eli Mitchell too I thought he was just phenomenal coming back off the injury and again he was running fast and hard and running downhill and he looked like somebody didn't want to tackle so those were some definitely some positives if some of those other big guys were were pretty much invisible McCaffrey didn't have a great game McCaffrey's figuring it out still you know um I think maybe the Rams game got us a little maybe a little too excited because he's gonna have to figure it out and as he gets into the offense and and then Debo and Kittle were invisible for most of the game
2: and, and I, st- and I, th- I said it before and, and I, I want to highlight it out. Cause you were, you're, you're talking about players that had a good game. I still want to give flowers to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he had a great game. Yeah, you played know, well. I, I, I don't think I, you know, I don't think there was anything that you could, that you could point to and be like, if this, if someone else was in here, this game would have been different. That's the thing is I watched that game last night and I'm like, if, if Justin Herbert was on the other side, does that game go any differently based on the way that Kyle Shanahan called it? Probably not. Does Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan call it differently? Maybe, and that's where you could say that's where it changes. But drop a, you know, just drop a quarterback into that offense in in that exact scenario with that exact play calling and I don't know that anyone would have played better or that there would have been more points scored. And so again, that's where to me it comes down to is the play calling the way that it is, because again, Kyle Shanahan is just afraid of the guy that he has under center, and I, I, I can't think of any other explanation. Um, but I want to highlight that that Jimmy Garoppolo played well last night. He did, and 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 if you're if if you're trying to if you're trying to 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 have any commentary or any narrative outside of that, then then that is you trying to pigeonhole your own bias, your own anti-Jimmy bias into it. Listen, I was as vocal as could be that I wanted Trey Lance starting last year, right? And I feel like Justin Fields' uh progression this year validates that stance. It is what it is. I, I don't I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo as my quarterback past this season, but I can still look at this game and, and look at the way that he's played so far this season and be like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo's playing some of the best football that he's played as a 49er. So, kudos to Jimmy, kudos to Elijah Mitchell as you said, Al, and kudos to to Brandon Ayuk who outside of that drop, I'm not even going to blame him for that fumble. That was a helmet that went directly into the football and popped it out. I mean, that's going to happen. I don't think there's anything he could have done differently to change that. So, outside of that drop in the end zone, which Brandon Ayuk himself is pissed off about, he posted about it on on Instagram earlier today. Um Great game. And and definitely emerging as, like you said, Al, the best wide receiver. That doesn't that's no shade to Debo. Debo's one of the better football players on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk as just a pure wide receiver is a hundred a hundred percent the top wide receiver on this team.
1: And just to yeah. go off your gym, what we said about Jimmy, sorry, Zane. Um, I just want to throw this out there. Jo- Josh Josh Dubo put the stat out. Jimmy Garoppolo on third and eight yards or more. In this last game, he was six for seven for 90 yards, four first downs, and a 118.8 rating. For the season, Garoppolo has converted 45.2% of his passes on third and eight-plus, second to only Mahomes. So listen, he's yeah. does he limit you in some way? Sure, but for, for Garoppolo, he, he's had a pretty decent year so far. He really Absolutely. has. Absolutely. It's his uh, longest career streak without throwing an interception. Uh, he will not throw any
0: in the next game. I don't want jinx or anything. He he'll be fine. He'll he'll extend that. But it's been three straight games without that interception for him. And frankly, there weren't really any oh no throws from him in this game. Like everything was pretty yeah. uh, it was pretty like on the money, right? Or, or near receiver, or it was you know like he he threw one away too, which he never does out of back of the end zone, which coincidentally like Jerry Rice ended up catching. So shout out to the goat. But I think that when we look at Brandon Ayuk's play and and what he did first of all, I think it was a helmet. The helmet hit. I don't think the helmet hit the ball. I think, I think like the guy literally hit him in the head and, and I dropped the ball as a result because he was swung into him. So I have to look at the replay, but
2: the, the defender what? that tackled him from the, the defender that tackled him from behind is the one whose helmet hit the ball. And then oh. another defender came in and hit him in the helmet. But yeah, that's yeah, and agreed. That should And have also, been, I, where's that call?
0: Exactly. That should have been a penalty. So I do want to get to the, the, the Herbert call and the, the Green law objection in a second and this weird touchback conversation that we're having on the down punt with 2 minutes oh left but gosh. uh do you want to talk about Ayuk really quickly so Ayuk he's not only catching the ball and doing all the things that they want to do as a receiver he's also blocking really well like we, every week we see cutups of him just flattening guys just taking cornerbacks out of the out of the screen and that's what Kyle wanted from him when when Ayuk was in the quote doghouse right he wants his receivers to be able to block and that's what makes Juan Jennings so valuable as well because he's a tenacious blocker so the receiving group, in terms of like do it all, like they're fantastic. But going back to the Tyree Kill idea, that's you know, if you would have put Tyree Kill on this team, that's really what they're missing, right? Is it like a legitimate deep threat? So um that that's where we are on that. Dre Greenlaw's ejection. Justin Herbert, for those of you who were living in the cave, he was he was scrambling down the field. Jimmy Ward basically threw his body at him, changed his changed the target essentially. Greenlaw was coming from the opposite direction, ended up hitting Herbert in the head. It was a flag on the play for targeting and they ended up ejecting Dre Greenlaw. And there's been a lot of outrage about this on Twitter from non-49ers people. Tony Dungie actually just put out a tweet on this as well about how Drake Greenlaw should not have been ejected because you can't prove that there was intent to actually hit him in the head because the target changed. And to me, like the rules are so inconsistent with things like that. Like Brandon Ayuk, literally the, the same thing happened to him earlier in the game and it caused a fumble and there was no call on that play. So either call it every time the quarterback becomes a runner then at that point, right? He's no longer mm-hmm. a quarterback. Yep. Either call it consistently across the board or don't call it at all. And it's that inconsistency that we see every week with teams not related to the 49ers that is costing teams games, It's costing teams seasons in the playoffs, and it's absolutely maddening because they don't have any consistency when it comes to these calls. An absolute joke that Drake Greenlaw was, was ejected, and I don't think there's going to be a suspension. It doesn't warrant that. But I would be very shocked if he was suspended about that. Kyle commented on that today. He said the same thing.
1: Well, I think it was one of those things that looked bad, right? So I think sometimes when you see things and it looks bad, the officials feel like they need to react. But, I mean, it was a penalty. It was helmet to helmet. They're they're trying to make the game safer. That's fine. But, yeah, it's a kick. There was no intent there. Herbert's path of his body changed, and Greenlaw's going at him as fast as he can. He's a huge man. He can't twist in midair. And I think there was any intent there at all. So you, you penalize him, absolutely. But – yeah, I thought to throw him out was
2: ridiculous. And that's what New York is for, right? Isn't that what New York is for? Yeah,
1: I mean, they went to New York, right? And
2: and even Troy, and I tweeted at him, Troy Vincent, Troy Vincent, who's in charge of officiating, basically came out and was like, yeah, he deserved to be uh, ejected. And it's just like, what are you, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, you're just covering your ass now because your officials look like idiots and they look like idiots all the time. How many times did that right tackle for the Chargers fall? start? I counted six, at least least six. And how many times, (laughs) how many times was he flagged? Zero, zero. So like miss me with, miss me with, you know, and, and the other, the other thing that's frustrating is what, what penalty is there for these officiating crews, right? Mm -hmm. Dre Greenlaw got ejected. The 49ers played a man down for the rest of the game. That was their punishment. What is mm-hmm. the punishment for this crew? Are they going to be fined for a terrible call? No. Like, it just doesn't. It's just, it's maddening to me because there's no accountability for these officials at all. And it's irritating. It's just irritating. And it's, if you look all
1: around the league yesterday on Sunday, there were so many bad calls. So many bad calls. We could spend another 40 minutes going over them. It's, it, it's an epidemic in the league. It has been for a long time. I don't know how you fix it. I, I really don't. I don't know if the NFL cares. Uh,
2: I don't oh, think they, they care, care. about yeah, They don't care because they, they are still making money hand over fist.
1: Yeah. You guys, and, and I think watch. that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, have I. No bad, I go ahead.
2: I think
0: that really quickly to wrap this up, uh, this topic up. So Cynthia Freeland who's fantastic, by the way. Uh, if you haven't heard the last show where she was on, please, please, please listen to that. She was awesome. And it was a great conversation, but she mentioned how quarter at the NFL wants their quarterbacks to stay safe because they, they want people to come and watch a Justin Herbert or a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen. They don't want to see, the backup quarterback, so they're trying to, they're trying to emphasize player safety as a result, and I just feel like they've gone off the deep end here. And anytime a quarterback has the ball, you can't breathe on them. You literally can't breathe on them, and it just it makes it so hard as a defender. And the Niners, as a defensive team, that's where I see a difficulty because the the, the league doesn't want you to play defense. They want shootouts. They want a fifty-two to forty-eight game. They don't want teams to win twenty-two to sixteen because it's bad for business for them. And that's, to me, like, it just sucks because a team like the Niners, who's ba- based off of defense, they have less of a shot at winning because the league just doesn't want you to win because it's quote-unquote boring football. Anyways, I'll go ahead.
1: I just wish we had more time to go around the league because I feel like there's so much to talk about. But one thing I just want to say, because you guys know I do – I am not a Josh McDaniels fan at all. So <laughs> he loses to the Jeff Saturday Colts. And you know what? good for Woo! Jeff Saturday. Let's see what Jeff's going to bring. Okay. Good for him. Yeah. But – um. So Josh McDaniels now has lost 24 of the last 31 games as a head coach. And when you remember, he was the Rams OC in 2011. They went 2-14 and 14 that year. Yeah. So without Belichick, he's 15-38 and 38 as a head coach or OC. He is a fraud and a joke and that they, he should be one and done. This year is crazy. You may have two coaches in that AFC West who we thought were, oh, this is going to be this great division this year. Hackett and McDaniels may both be one and done, and they deserve to be one and done.
2: Mark and, Davis came out and gave McDaniels a vote of confidence today. Ooh, I don't dreaded, did he gonna, do with the dreaded vote of confidence? I don't think <laughs> I well, no, and it wasn't even like the dreaded vote of confidence. So I don't know. I it's also bad, you got to think about he, it this way. You gotta think about it this way. Is Mark Davis willing to spend? I mean, how much is he still giving John Gruden? And now he has Josh McDaniels, he's gonna fire him after a year, pay him that's all that money, money, and then bring another coach in. Did you guys uh, hear Derek Carr?
1: So. Did you hear Derek Carr in that press conference? Crying you know, afterwards. What, what, yeah, like like yeah. like, and it, like you know, he's talking about, you know, what and he's right, you know, when I felt players they put their bodies on the line and he's talking about you know things you yeah. have to take to go to sleep. And I thought that was really like you know, you're peeling the curtain back a little bit because they do go through a lot, and like he's talking maybe there's guys in that locker room that don't care as much, and like it's just an outright disaster there. Outright disaster. And I I listen, I don't like the Raiders, I don't like Josh McDaniels, but yeah, he's he's a disaster, right? You may see. <laughs> Andy Reid may be the only one that's standing after this year. <laughs> <And that's laughs> uh,
2: you know what? You're I, you might not be wrong. I, I genuinely believe uh, if the chargers don't win a playoff game, I think Brandon Staley's out um, or if they don't make the playoffs, I can almost guarantee he's out. Uh, and then I think Hackett, I don't even know if Hackett will make it the through the rest of the season. I do have a question for you though. Where do you guys think Derek Carr plays next year?
1: Colts, don't all the QBs go to the Colts? Uh, every Colts need to be yeah. a QB every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, where does Derek Carr play next year? Colts might be an option. I said that in jest, but maybe. Um, trying to think of teams. New Orleans would need a veteran quarterback, right? The,
0: yeah. The Bucks because Brady's going to come here, right?
1: The Bucs are another spot if and when Brady isn't there. Yeah. Not the Patriots. What about the Patriots? I mean, Matt
0: Jones sucks. Like, yeah.
1: As we as we talk about I last week, I don't know that they're sucks. sold on
2: him, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. There's but you know, the quarterback play has been so shitty this year. Again, you might maybe you'll see another QB Carousel in the offseason. Uh, I don't I don't know. But yeah, he's not gonna be there, I don't think. And and I think he'll go somewhere. I, I think Derek Carr's pretty you know, I don't think he's elite, but I think he's pretty good. He's had some good seasons, and I think in the right situation he can he can be a quarterback of a playoff team for sure. Houston, now is question- he gonna go follow his brother. <sighs> I Ooh. Yeah, Houston's just a disaster. They should just they're probably just gonna take one of the QBs in the draft, I would think. They gotta they just have to start over.
2: Yeah. Does does Tom Brady go to Vegas? I think it's possible. It's possible. I think it's very possible.
1: I, I know I said this three years ago and, it, and it, obviously I was wrong, but are you really gonna bring in a 46-year-old quarterback? I mean, he hasn't looked great this year. He's gonna be 46. At some point, he's gotta slow down. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. I think he'll play next year, though, because he doesn't have someone telling them that he can't. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, there are all but... sorts of teams, right? There, there are all sorts of teams that need quarterbacks. Like Carolina needs a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. Uh, the uh, argued that... Washington
2: has Carson Wentz, Zane. <sighs> oh, and they oh, owe him $26 million <laughs> next year.
0: I, I totally forgot. Me- mediocre Carson Wentz, yeah. <laughs> who has been unseated by Taylor Heineke right now. So, yeah, he's,
1: he's, uh, he's the out pack, there, too. The Packers may need a quarterback next year. Yeah, that's true. If no, Rogers- it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Offseason um, going to be. Crazy. It might
2: be crazier than this past offseason, which yeah. is.
1: A Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be starting quarterback somewhere next year. Right, Well,
0: absolutely he will be right. he will be somewhere uh, else, 15. and and the Niners will need a, a new backup. But really quickly before we wrap up, you guys, <laughs> there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, and this is the, this is something that was a silly conversation by that was brought on from the broadcast, and they were debating it, and they brought in Terry McCauley. and he was like, "Oh yeah, this should have been called this way." So Samuel Womack downs the punt at the one-yard line with two minutes left, right? When the Niners are trying to run out the clock. They punt, downs the punt at the one-yard line, plays blown dead. He goes into the end zone with the ball to celebrate because you know basically they sealed the game right there, pretty much. And there was a discussion about that being a touchback. And Terry McCauley, who was a rules expert for Sunday night football, was very, very adamant that this was a touchback because there's a rule that's specific to that that he didn't down the ball, he didn't leave it. He basically took it with him in the end zone. It should have been a touchback. And it's just the silliest thing, but I do want to hear your thought on it. The play was blown dead. And to me, that's football. The play is blown dead. It's dead. It's done. Right. And the ball is down the one yard line. I don't know what all of this conversation was
2: about. What I never understood was Terry McCauley in in, in the vehement uh in the vehement defense of what he said on Sunday night football, just continually refused in his tweet storm to even address the fact that the, that the whistle blew and, and, and therefore the play ended. So that's where I'm like, I don't like, what are, what are we trying to do here, Terry? Like the play, the whistle blew, the play was over. He keeps saying like, but, but even the, what he said was the minute that Womack touched the ball, the ball was dead. Right. And what he's saying is despite the ball being dead, If he then takes it into the end zone, that is a touchback. And he highlighted the rule and everything. And and the rule is there and he's not wrong. But why are we arguing about this when the back judge blew the whistle and waved his arms and the play ended? Mm -hmm. So like I replied to him because I was genuinely wondering he didn't reply back. I'm like, so when is the play over? If you're telling us that regardless, if he carried it into the end zone, it's a touchback. Then when is the play officially over? Because the answer is the play is over when the whistle is blown. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. So why are we even doing this? I don't understand. Terry, take your L and go home. Come on.
1: And I think too, I think um Chris Collinsworth tends to get all in his feelings when he does 49ers games because he lost two Super Bowls to the 49ers. And I think it was one of those things too. I don't know. Sometimes I think Collinsworth just looks for things to say like, aren't, why aren't why isn't that happening to the 49ers? And he just gets all upset. <laughs> so that's why I think was one of those things too. He just gets in his feelings with the Niners. If you listen to him enough, he'll throw some comments in there here and there. Well, they took two titles away from me. I think he says that in every single game he does with the Niners. He mentioned that several times tonight last night. I remember hearing that last night several times. He always does that. Oh, Jerry Rice, we triple covered him and he still caught the ball. I don't know how that happened. I just picture him like (laughs) Jerry Rice is the goat. Think of vodka in his hand and punching like the desk when he says it, just (laughs) punching air. So uh, uh yeah it. so whatever i thought it was stupid the whistle blew i was like why are we talking about this and i was all pissed off from the game anyway so i don't want to hear it i just drown people i just drown them out sometimes i love al michaels give me some al michaels but a lot of these other announcers yeah. i don't know i just I like feel bad. Oh. pretty good too like Fri- yeah, Fri- yeah really Trico good. go does a good job yeah, um people don't like joe buck but like i feel I like when it feels like a big game when joe buck's doing it yeah, Giants I, I fans agreed.
2: don't like Joe Buck because Joe Buck, uh, Joe Buck, anytime that it was St. Louis and San Francisco, let his Homerism show through pretty hard. So, oh, is that I, know, I know Bay Area fans don't like Joe Buck a lot because of the way that he called Giants Cardinals games for a long time. So, that I'm might be part obviously. of it. I mean, his dad was the voice of the, you know what I mean? No, he no, was, I'm not, did. I'm just He'll saying he not. let it, he let it show through. Yeah, so, I got yeah. that really,
0: yeah, definitely the Homerism. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. But uh, we do.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, Thursday. Not your next show will be on Thursday. We got Matt Hamilton, uh, formerly of Good Morning Football, and now with FanDuel TV. He's on uh, Up and Adams with Kay Adams a lot. He'll be talking to us on Thursday. So we're very excited for that. Matt's a good dude. I'm pumped to talk to him. Yes. And, yeah. And we're done. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Thursday,
2: 4 p.m. Be there. Make sure to subscribe to the No Huddle podcast on whatever, uh, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, hit that little bell. You'll get alerts when we go live. We'll be live on Thursday at 4 p.m. with Matt Hamilton. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. For Al Sacco, Zane Nakvi I'm Brian Rennick. See you guys later. Peace.